The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. That's right. You heard it. College basketball dream podcast preview here. Already edition number six as far as the college basketball dream preview. Of course, I'm Brad Powers alongside Sleepy Jay at the controls and coming from Houston, live in living color, Mr. A.J. Hoffman, fresh off yet another best bet winner for A.J. Bringing the best bets here. Are you kidding me? Now seven and three. Between AJ and myself, Sleepy, you even came on board and cast one with Syracuse last week. So that'd make the best bets eight and three if you're counting Sleepy. Jay, again, college basketball dream preview here. Of course, we're going to go over all the big games of the weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. We even got a Friday night game for you here. But guys, before we get into any of the games, and of course, best bets coming your way at the end, Let's talk Zion Williamson. I mean, the story that that, that is the national sports Who? story. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in case you're living under a rock, as we're taping this on Thursday evening, on Wednesday evening, 30, what, 33 seconds into the game, Zion Williamson, probably the most talked about player in all of college basketball uh, by, by a significant margin, blows out his shoe, tweaks his knee, and number one Duke gets hammered by North Carolina refresh my memory aj uh did, did a couple of guys on this podcast have the tar heels in that one yeah, yeah that was both our best bets last week a double best bet the first one and now of course people say well they might not have won it if but <laughs> we were getting I, nine I, we were getting nine points though so let, yeah let's so keep it would have had to be a, a 25 point swing which i don't know if you're going to get that so uh but it it is a hard it's it's a hard data point to score because we don't really know what would have happened, what might have been. It's obviously the game was was way different, you know, than it could have been. Not to say that North Carolina wouldn't have covered any, either way, uh, but I doubt they would have won by 16 going away. Yeah, and, and speaking of, of what we do know, at least at this point, uh, coming out uh, later this a- late this afternoon. Again, we're taping on, on Thursday here. Uh, looks like a mild grade one knee sprain uh, for Zion, and he's listed as day to day. I don't think he's going to play, at least for the Syracuse game, but we'll see. Uh, but it doesn't look like it's anything significant. Uh, a couple of points here as far as the futures market. A lot of the guys, the gutless, and that's right, I said gutless, sportsbook directors took all the national title future odds off the board with the injury. I get it. It could have been significant, but kudos to the few that did remain and kept the odds up. Duke was pretty much, if you're shopping a consensus line, Coming into the North Carolina game, right around plus 180, 100 bucks when you 180. And now it's settled in, at least at the few books that are still offering it, after the loss of not only to North Carolina, but the potential loss of Zion Williamson for a few games. Duke now plus 220 in the national title future odds. And again, AJ, refresh my memory. Didn't you bring up concerns that, you know, Duke, there could be an issue, one injury away? whether it's Zion or anybody of their fabulous freshmen, not, definitely not the same team. Didn't you say that a couple podcasts back? I did say that. and The reason why I said it is because it can have such a great impact on what the number you could get would be. And not, not to say that they can't win a championship without Zion. I mean, they, they've got probably, even if without him, they've got two of the top five draft picks in the NBA draft. But you, if Zion were out, you'd obviously get a much better number if you still like Duke. And if you don't think Duke is going to win without Zion, 
then you you obviously don't want to have a, a ticket you know with a, a a really short price on Duke. So I, I said all along the best thing to do to me the only way to play Duke in the futures with the number that we were getting was to do a, a, a mechanical parlay come tournament time. But you know I, I I'm not I'm team not Duke uh, to win the championship. I think there's a, there's a if I I've heard a lot of these prop bets of would you take Duke or would you take uh, some combo of Gonzaga and if I can get if I can pick three teams uh, or or Duke I'll take those three teams all day uh, and it'd probably be for me it'd probably be Gonzaga Virginia and uh, and Kentucky but I, I think that there's there's even some more teams I, I think North Carolina proved that they probably are, are belonging in that discussion so I just think that that the number on Duke was too short and one little thing could change it so much. And we saw that today. Yeah. And and let's talk about that one thing changing and what Duke looked like without Zion Williamson. I mean, kudos to RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish. They brought their game 60 points between the two. What what else does Duke have? I mean, shame on Trey Jones had an awful night, one out of 11 against the Tar Heels. And we saw this even with Trey Jones going out in the Syracuse game. This is a Duke team that's not going to wire you as far as bringing a bunch of guys off the bench. Uh, they really don't have a bench. Yes, I get it when they get off the bus, meaning what Duke looks like physically and athletically. Uh, they're about as good as starting five as we've seen in college basketball, but nowhere near as deep as, as let, let's say, the team that they've been priced comparably to. That's the 2015 Kentucky team. I'm a little bit worried about the lack of depth that Duke has. Now, with the way the the NCAA tournament's set up, uh, I mean, you're not going to have to worry about that until, what, the Sweet 16, Elite 8 rounds. I mean, Duke could sleepwalk through the first couple of rounds. You would have to worry about it if they're playing, you know, three three games in three days when it comes to ACC tournament. But if they're not 100% healthy, and that goes for any of the three or the four freshmen for Duke, yeah, I, I wouldn't want a ticket, although I, I do have some bets against the guys. I took Duke because my thinking was, hey, this is a team that's probably ascending. The freshmen are only going to get better, but uh, obviously we saw a huge weakness on the Duke part. I want to talk a little North Carolina. Uh, we mentioned this, you and I, we, we do that spot uh, also uh, on your uh, radio show in, in Houston that you host every single day, Drive Time, Houston, number four market in the country. What do we make of the heels now? I mean, that was a good solid win for North Carolina. Future odds changed a little bit today. 16 to 1 now, 12 to 1 for the Tar Heels. What's the ceiling for this team now, AJ? I don't know, man. And that's why I was saying it's a, it's a difficult data point to score because I think maybe North Carolina is is going to be disrespected with that win because anytime you win at Duke, especially, you know, the the number 1 team in the country, normally you'd be celebrated. You know, especially a team like North Carolina that's already got a pedigree. They're already in the top 10. But because there was no Zion, I think there's people are going to think of this as, oh, well, would they have done? What would what would have been like? But you got to real, realize North Carolina didn't play their best game either. And they still won by 16 points. North Carolina, one of the better three-point shooting teams in, in conference, 10% mm-hmm. from behind the three-point line. And, I mean, nobody was hitting anything from deep. And... You know, I talked uh, before, I guess, on the last podcast when we were going over best bets. One of my concerns uh, about North Carolina was going to be the health of of uh, Nassar Little, who's who's been or Nasir Little, who's been one of their key guys, and he basically gave them nothing last night. Yeah. I mean, he played limited minutes, 
but he wasn't effective. He was a non-factor. So I, I think full strength, you know, this game is still, I, I still would take North Carolina plus that many points. Uh, and I'm, I may even take it if you, if you showed me a line tomorrow, a fully healthy North Carolina versus Duke, I might take it at North Carolina plus seven. I, I, I was, I was impressed with what North Carolina was able to do, despite the fact that Zion wasn't on the floor. You got anything, Sleepy? Nope. Nope, I'm good. All right. Uh, one other question I got for you, AJ. And I was right. pondering this myself. Uh, when it comes to Duke, say Zion, I mean, for, I got two questions. Actually, you know, number one, just general radio talk. Uh, Zion, should he should he play the rest of the season? Or should he just call it quits and just get ready I, what for the I said NBA? Th- what I said today is it, just the, the way it should be with every kid. If they want to keep playing, let him. I mean, he can play. If he doesn't want to play, I wouldn't fault him for it. I mean, if it, especially with these guys, with the situation now where they're basically being forced to play a year. And sure, could they go to Turkey and play for a year? Sure, but that that's not your your best way to maximize exposure. The best way to to make as much money as you can is right now to go to college for a year. Which is it fair? I don't think so. I'd like to see the if the best kids if can make it out of high school. I'd like to see him get that opportunity. But uh, but yeah, as as long as he's playing for free, and he's got a big pile of money waiting at the end of this season, I won't fault anybody for sitting out. And whether you got a chance to win a title or not, everybody's got their prerogative. Why they're at school? I know Zion said going to Duke was important to him. He he said he would have gone even if that wasn't the rule. I don't know if I buy that. It's a lot easier to say it when the, the rule is in place and you've got to go for, uh, to begin with. But I, I just think it's it's sort of a personal thing. And and if I know that Duke fan would probably be pissed off at him if he if he decided to sit out, I wouldn't fault him one single bit. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, even as a you know college basketball fan, diehard college basketball fan. I hate the one and done. I, I just make some mockery. I, I just don't like I mean, if a kid wants to go to college two, three years, let him go to college. If, if he's good enough to go to the NBA out of high school, why are you wasting anybody's time and playing one year of college? I mean, they don't even finish up classes for a year. It's just a, a total joke. If, I mean, it, it is what it is when it comes to that. One other question I got for you, Zion, how, how much do you think he's worth? Because, you know, I'm speculating – you know, to, to a team with normal depth, I'd say maybe five points. I think he's that good. Uh, I think to this Duke team, at least from what we've seen, just one player goes out, and, I mean, they look like a totally different team. Not only, you know, Zion against North Carolina, but I already mentioned it, Trey Jones against Syracuse. I'm almost to the point where I think Zion might be worth six points. What say you, AJ? The the number that I thought when I, and I asked you this question on my show today I was a little surprised when you said six because I had I had four and a half or five in my head and I guess I just was thinking you know Barrett is still so good and it's almost it's almost a shame that no one's realizing just how good R.J. Barrett yep. is because he's playing with Zion and Cam Reddish is really good Trey Jones is really I mean you've got four first round picks on that team so I mean when you so say what was the depth, issue Zion goes out it, and they get crushed well. I, I mean, I think a lot of it is your star player maybe blew out his knee. Maybe that takes the wind out of the mm. building. I don't think the energy in in, uh, in Cameron was the same as it normally is. And you know, I, I think once that once something like that happens, that's on everybody's mind. That is on everybody's mind okay. until that game ends and you figure out what's going on. So, I, I I think that five is probably the number I would put because depth is sort of a relative thing with Duke. I mean, Duke's got four 
of the probably 30, 35 best players in college basketball on their team, nobody else can say that. So, I mean, how far, how deep they go beyond that may be an issue, but even if you, if you're missing one of those guys and you still got three of the top 30, 35 players in college basketball, I'd take that against, you know, what not having those guys and, and having a good eighth man on the bench. I, I, I think that Duke's probably happy with what they've got, even without one of their key guys. And it'll be interesting to see. We're, we're not going to really talk, jump into the Syracuse Duke game. I know it's one of the bigger games on Saturday. Yeah, we want so to many too much unknowns. <laughs> I would say a fair line, and you guys can, di- you know, to say if you disagree. If everything was, he- you know, Duke was healthy, Zion's clear to go, no issues. I would say Duke's probably right around a nine, nine points. Still favorite. with Duke coming off a loss? Yeah, Duke nine, ten. At, keep in mind, it's at Syracuse, but yeah. we won't even talk. I mean, Syracuse is dealing with distractions, particularly their head coach, Jim Beheim. Again, uh, we're just not going to get into the Duke-Syracuse game. Way too many unknowns, guys, uh, for us to even discuss it as we're taping on Thursday. Uh, again, I think if everything was healthy, everything's normal. I think Duke's like a 9-10 point favorite. Uh, obviously, the revenge, revenge angle, Duke off a loss, all that would, you know, have a lot of duct tape shoes, handicappers, <laughs> I think, taking the Duke side. But, uh, again, what, I think Zion's probably doubtful to play. Again, we don't know. He's listed as day-to-day as we're taping this on, on uh, Thursday evening. Any closing thoughts as far as the Zion thing goes? I, I think it's weird that you're acting like Jim Beheim's the first coach to run over and kill somebody. I mean, it happens all the time. These guys mm-hmm. know how to handle it. Give me a break. Yeah, that would... <laughs> Not a not a good scene there for Bayheim, who seems like every single year has some you know off court drama uh, with, with him. He's well, not one of my favorites, to be perfectly frank. And this was way before the incident that went that went down, uh, obviously on Wednesday night. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention yeah. on the the Duke North Carolina game was kind of lost in the mix with no Zion was how good Luke May was, and that's oh, obviously yeah. North Carolina's driving force, and he just looked outstanding in that game. So. Uh, and that's the kind of guy, you know, he's, he's the kind of player who come tournament time, I think if he oh, gets yeah. on, on a tear, that's a, that's a dangerous player. Very dangerous. And he had the big shot a couple of years ago against Kentucky in the lead eight. I mean, if you're a college basketball fan, that, that's the type of guy. And look, I, I hate the one and done. I'd rather kids just go right out of high school, the NBA, but Luke may is uh, the type of guy that, uh, you know, the, the, when you've been watching college basketball for 20, 30 years, you get those three, four-year type of players. That's what the game should be about, uh, not just, you know, some temporary thing until you move to the next right. level. So, all right, that's ra- enough of that. L- let's get into what we are doing here best here on the College Basketball Dream Preview. I'm Brad Powers. He's A.J. Hoffman, Sleepy J here. Let's dive into some games. We'll start it off on Friday night. We do have a line on this one. I was relatively close as far as the line projection uh, goes here. We got Indiana at number 21, Iowa. Looks like an early overnight line available. It's six and a half, seven on the Hawkeyes, the home favorite. Looks like all the guys have a lean on Iowa. I'll let AJ start it off. Yeah, this wasn't one of my favorite games. I've I've not been high on Iowa, but I'm also betting against Indiana basically every chance I get, including uh, their last game where they beat me, they finally got me with Purdue. But I, I just I don't I think this Indiana team has has basically quit on on their coach. And uh, both these teams struggled against the spread this year, and especially lately. Indiana's two and eight in their last ten, one eleven straight up in their last twelve. Iowa's two and five in their last seven. 
and they fell to four and four against the spread in Big Ten play. They Indiana and Purdue just played a long, grinding, slow game, totaled ninety four points. The Hoosiers are averaging sixty four points on the road in conference play. Meanwhile, I, I was putting up big numbers, especially at home, over seventy seven points per game at home in Big Ten play. Uh, the the Hoosiers have topped seventy on the road twice in conference play. So. Uh, Indiana's to me is is free falling. We got their best effort against Purdue, uh, one of their biggest rivals, if not their biggest rival. Iowa is the second best three point shooting team in the conference. Indiana's ninth best defending the th- the the three, and it's been just a tale of two seasons. They started twelve and two. They've gone one and eleven since. And Romeo Langford, I use leading scorer, probably their best player. He's a big reason why in that twelve and two stretch, fifty percent from the field. A guard, 50% from the field. In the uh, 1-11 stretch, 36% from the field. So just a, a massive drop-off for him. Ken Palm ranks Iowa as, as a top-10 home court advantage. Uh, and like I said, I, I think that they've gotten up for some of their big games. Indiana has Michigan State and Purdue. I just don't think this game means as much to them as, as those games did. So I lean Iowa minus the 7. All right, you get agreement from me. I'm also on a lean on Iowa. Here's the reason why I don't like the Hawkeyes. You look at the Iowa's last three games, all decided in the final seconds, including two miracle buzzer beaters for Iowa and their wins against Northwestern and the Rutgers game. A bank shot from the corner, a three-pointer, one of the more remarkable shots you'll see all year. And Iowa, in my opinion, extended a lot of energy in those games. So I really I don't think this is a great spot. To, to necessarily lay uh, the lumber here, but I agree with AJ. I, I mean, Indiana has not shown me anything. And you got to c- c- at least come into question whether or not that they've given up on this coach. I mean, boy, I- I'll tell you, <laughs> Indiana basketball is, you want to talk from a fall from grace here in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, my goodness, uh, for, uh, for the Hoosiers. Uh, I think when you get a line like this right around six and a half, seven. I like to look at free throw shooting because, you know, whether or not you're going to win or cover, uh, when you get a line like this, and it might come down to some late game fouling uh, with a number around, around six and a half, seven, I think Iowa's got a significant advantage here. They're, they're number 35 in the country in free throw shooting as a team. Indiana, number 317, 317th in the country as a team free throw shooting. So that's why I lean with Iowa. Minus the six and a half. Again, we got an early line here. Are you going to make it a consensus, Sleepy? Yeah, I lean with Iowa with you guys here. You know, Indiana's imploded. I'm not really too worried about the revenge factor here for Indiana. Obviously, they're going to be here on the road. I think the bench for Indiana is rather weak with talent and depth. Rob Finesse and Zach McRoberts, both guys banged up right now. I think that's going to hurt them. You know, I can't trust Iowa, though, to make it alike. I think we were on them our last podcast. They didn't, obviously, they, they failed. No, AJ was on Maryland. You and me uh, were on Iowa. I was not on Iowa. Yeah. Oh, my apologies. Good pick there, don't, AJ. Don't put, me, don't put me in your Hawkeye bag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm going to lean to Iowa, but it, it's definitely not strong. I just have a feeling that, you know, that this team is looking to not worsen their seating when it comes to the tournament obviously they're 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 sliding down and they keep losing games winning you know by a point thriller so uh, i lean iowa and that's about it on that one yeah one thing i do want to mention that you sleepy brought it up these two teams is their second meeting indiana in the first one shot 49 percent from the floor that's their tied for their best performance since december 22nd so almost two months of action and Indiana still lost that game at home by five to Iowa, even though they shot so incredibly well. 
Again, consensus from the guys, lean Iowa. Any closing thoughts, AJ? That's all I got. All right, moving along here. Uh, Saturday action. How about this? And we got a pretty good Saturday and Sunday card. I think it's one of the better weekends we've had here since we've been doing the podcast. We got a ranked on rank number three, Virginia, at number 18, Louisville. No line out yet, but we'll call the line a projection right around Virginia five. Looks like AJ's got the strongest handicap here. Who do you like in this one? I like Virginia uh, minus five. I like them up to six. Uh, the two and four in their last six against the spread. Uh, before that, they'd won 10 straight against the spread. They're historically, I say historically, in, in recent years, they're one of the more profitable teams against the spread. Uh, point spreads of under 10 or as a dog, Virginia's nine and two against the spread. They're also eight and one on the road, ATS. Uh, they're 11 and two in ACC play. So besides the two losses to Duke, Virginia's had one game where their opponent played with played them within five points. So if the number is five, I mean, when they haven't played Duke, they've covered that number every game. Louisville, two and four against the spread and straight up in their last six. They're playing their worst basketball. I, I don't know what happened to that team. They, they had the near upset against Duke, but they choked that away. They choked the late lead away against Florida State. They almost did the same against Clemson. They did choke away the cover in the last minute of that game. Duke losing to North Carolina opens a door for Virginia despite losing both those head-to-head games. It, it gives them some light to, you know what, we can still win the ACC regular season title. So now UVA has to take care of business and hope that North Carolina beats Duke in Chapel Hill and UVA, can they can win the conference. I expect max effort from a, a highly motivated Virginia team. I like Virginia minus five. Yeah, and you get agreement from me, although I don't like it. I'm leaning towards Virginia, and I always ask myself, some of these short road favorites, relatively short, you know, Virginia minus five. If I flipped this, did a little home away, uh, would I be willing to lay 11 to 13 with Virginia? Probably not. Uh, so that's why it's a lean for me. You're right about Louisville. And, you know, this will be the second game in a row I'm talking about on energy level. I'm a, I think Louisville's out of gas. Let's look at their last two weeks. Overtime loss at Florida State. A blown 23-point lead against Duke. A one-point win over Clemson where they nearly blew that one somehow after leading by seven with like 45 seconds left in the game. Forget the cover. They almost lost the game outright. Yeah. And then, I mean, just three-point shooting was horrible. At least in the first 28, 30 minutes of the game against Syracuse, they get... Their doors blowing off. Sleepy was all over that one. Best bet, easy winner on the orange. Uh, I don't. I mean, does it get any better? Just a few nights later. I mean, Virginia. You mentioned it. Should be relatively focused. They got two extra days to prep. Nothing big on deck. Yeah. I mean, I'm borderline like here. If I if one of my leans had to be turned into a like, RJ's not here. That's uh, he would probably force me to have more likes. This would be one that would qualify. <laughs> Uh, Virginia here, I think, is clearly the play. Are you going to make it consensus, Sleepy, or are you going to go opposite? The- uh, I, I lean to Louisville, but you know what? You guys are talking me even further away from that one, so I'm going to call it a pass. I'm changing my mind. I'm going to pass. All right. Good, good call, Sleepy. So you mentioned if the if the you know the home court were reversed, how would, the, would I be willing to give up that many points? And the answer is probably not. But we've kind of talked about this with uh, Texas Tech before. Like, are you are you willing mm. to give a lot of points with these teams that that emphasize defense so much? And Virginia's a really good, they're a really good offensive team too. But with their tempo 
and and their defense like they they want to play these these grinded out games and so they're not always looking to blow teams out by 13 14 points that's not necessarily their mo so i think you're right in a way but as a is a, a road uh favorite a short road favorite what do they always say defense travels more than anything travels yeah. more than a shot for sure uh, but that energy level that, like you said, Louisville down energy level, Virginia always has energy on defense. Yep. That's why I'm willing to lay that that short number on the road. And you mentioned Virginia being profitable. Here's the the number since 2013. So nearly six full seasons here. 113, if you're blindly betting Virginia every single game in, in nearly six years, 113 and 71. He obviously got some pushes in there. That's 61% against the spread. Second most profitable team in the entire country, Villanova being number one. So, look, Virginia doesn't always have the highest ceiling come March, but man, oh, man, when it comes to consistency in December, January, and February uh, on a game-in and game-out basis, again, 61.4% blindly betting on Virginia every single game, nearly six-year sample size on the Cavaliers. Like for A.J. Hoffman on Virginia, lean on Virginia. for me, closing thoughts. Yeah, closing thoughts. Like when you think back to the, the last game that uh, that Virginia played against Virginia Tech, and we had that last week, and I, I was on Virginia there too as a, yep. a short road favorite, and it started to look like, oh, maybe they're in trouble. Maybe they're in trouble. But the way Virginia plays wears teams down, and by by late in that game, you could see Virginia Tech fading while Virginia still had <laughs> gas in the tank. So I, that, I I don't see this game being that much different. Yeah, the, the, so they're like, uh, you know, kind of that boa constrictor or sleepy wrestling terms. We, we love our wrestling here, you know, the old sleeper hold. Mm-hmm. So instead of Hawk Hogan, you know, the, twirling the finger after, he, you know, his arm goes down after the two count mm-hmm. and then he starts shaking. Yeah. No shaking when it comes to Virginia. They put the squeeze on. It's good night, Irene. Yeah. Again, A.J. Hoffman with the strongest opinion there. A like on the Virginia Cavaliers. Moving along, the game that probably has as much meaning as far as teams trying to secure their position in the NCAA tournament in the Big 12, Texas at Oklahoma, even though the Sooners have been really struggling, I'm going to call Oklahoma a projected slight favorite here. Let's call the number one and a half. What the heck uh, doesn't look like neither AJ or myself, Sleepy's passing, have a strong opinion. I'll lead the way here. Uh, looking at this matchup, again, not a strong opinion. I'm going to lean on Texas, though, plus the one and a half. Both teams should be super focused. Again, both need it for their tournament resume. I think Texas is a little more safe than Oklahoma at this point. But let's face it, Texas is, what, 15-11? and 11? Not like they got a lot of margin of error. Both teams had a week off. I just, when it comes to me, uh, Texas has been the more trustworthy team, at least recently. The, the storyline about Oklahoma this season, everyone, I think, overreacted. The loss of Trey Young. What is Oklahoma going to do without the nation's leading scorer? Oklahoma at the start of the season, undervalued. What does Oklahoma do in the marketplace? 12-1-1 against the spread in their first 14 games. Now you started paying a premium on the Sooners. You haven't made any money betting Oklahoma the last 12 games. They're pretty much right around 500. And I, I thought Oklahoma looked like a dead cat until they came out of nowhere last Saturday and got an outright upset against TCU. So that was kind of a little bit of a head scratcher there. Texas has owned this series. They won 67% of them here the last 10 years or so in what should be a tight series. Texas has been the team that's kind of owned Oklahoma as of late. So just not a strong handicap for me, just a lean on Texas plus one and a half. What say you, AJ? 
Oklahoma before that that TCU win, and it, I mean it's a good win, I guess, for from a resume standpoint. Because even though I I look at TCU and the eye test says TCU's fallen off, I don't know if TCU's going to make the tournament by the time it's all said and done if they keep playing the way they are. But they'd lost five straight straight up before that, including getting blown out by Baylor by 30 points at home, and then a, a, a loss on the road to a, a pretty bad West Virginia team. They're still hanging on to the bubble. And they've really got to get a couple wins down the stretch to make an at-large bid happen. And the truth is they probably can't afford to lose anything at home now. And this is one of the games. So if you're saying these are the games we have to win, absolutely. I would guess Oklahoma has this circled as a have-to-win game. But Texas is kind of in the same boat. They've got a little bit better shot at an at-large because they've got quality wins that, that Oklahoma doesn't have. They've got a win over North Carolina, a win over Purdue, and a win over Kansas in their pocket. So... That that looks good to the committee. Uh, the Horns are four and two straight up, five and one against the spread in their last six. It's hard to say they're playing their best ball because they're playing lately. They've been playing against some pretty bad teams. Here's what I like about Texas, though. They've had a week off. They they haven't played since last Saturday, and to, they wanted to fix some of the defensive deficiencies that has been driving Shaka Smart up the wall. And this game is obviously important to the players. Oklahoma's the that's the big game on Texas's schedule. They don't want to lose to Oklahoma. Uh I expect a a top level defensive performance here and I I just think Texas is the more talented team and I, and I one of the the things I was looking at about where they've struggled defensively Texas, one of their biggest problems and this is one of the worst Shaka Smart coach teams at giving up three-pointers. Well, good news, Oklahoma, they can't shoot the three. They're horrible, but from behind the arc. So I I just think this is a better matchup for a a more talented Texas team here. Uh, I I lean to them on the road, but but it's a a relatively strong lean for me on Texas. Yeah, you get full agreement from me, lean on Texas. A couple quick notes, and by no means do I have any affiliation with this site, and I'm not even sure you guys know about this one. Uh, but we're talking both Texas, Oklahoma, kind of safely in at this point. This site is unbelievable. They would do it how I would do it uh, as far as, you know, if you want to know what teams are on the bubble or not, forget Joe Lunardi or whatever his freaking name is. Uh, it's called BracketMatrix.com. Do you know what about this one, AJ? Yeah. Yep. And what they do, they take Joe Lunar, uh, Lunardi or however you pronounce his damn name. What do they call him? Joey Brackets. Uh, they they take his bracket, but they also take like a hundred plus other per bracket projections, and they average them all out, and they update this religiously, like at least two three times uh, a week. And again, like a hundred plus brackets. So when it comes, and, and this will come more into play next week, and of course the week after, and, and definitely conference tournament week, when you're wondering who's on the bubble. Uh, go to use bracketmatrix.com. Uh, I just think if you really want to know if a team's on a bubble, what their projected seed line really is, taking an average of 100-plus bracket projections I, I think is certainly more accurate than just relying on, on a couple of guys at ESPN or CBS Sports. So I, I might mention that a few times here in the next couple of weeks, but I bring it up because right now as we're talking this game, Texas – uh, according to Bracket Matrix, is right around the nine seed. Oklahoma projected right around the ten seed. Oklahoma lose this game, uh, I think you can drop them a seed down to eleven. That firmly puts 
Oklahoma on the bubble. How long have you known about this site, AJ? Uh, a couple, a couple years now, I guess. Yeah, I found, I, yeah, I found it a couple years ago. Are you familiar with it, Sleepy at all? Nope, only since Come you on, me. Sleepy. All right, I'm telling you, you guys won't. Well, <laughs> yeah, one, I, one I, for- I at least used it because uh, what I and we'll get into this a little bit more uh, in ne- either next week or, or even the next podcast. What I often find, uh, you're paying a premium on bubble teams. When, when it, if you don't understand why a line is the way it is, come you know early March, last couple of games of the regular season, and come conference tournament, I've seen a lot of the public, the, the very public bubble teams. You're laying an extra bucket, and uh, you can use this site. Uh, closing thoughts, AJ. So speaking of Oklahoma and where they sit on the bubble right now, let's just before we get into this Texas game. Their last four after the Texas game at Iowa State, uh, West Virginia at home, Kansas at home, and at Kansas State. What would if they lose this Texas game? What would they need to do in those last four oh. to make the tournament? I think you. Ha- I mean, the West Three Virginia win is an, a must. But I think yeah, if they lose this Texas game, they at least have to win. And they have to at least win two of those games against Iowa State, Kansas, and Kansas State with Iowa State and Kansas State on the road. I just have a hard time seeing that. I mean, this this could literally decide whether or not Oklahoma gets into the tournament this game. It couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I, that's how important I think this game is. And and again, even with all that said, you and I both lean on the Texas side. Cause, because I don't think Oklahoma's a good team. I don't think they're good enough to be a tournament team. No, I mean, we have, outside of the TCU game, which is kind of a head-scratcher at this point, what was the redeeming quality performance for Oklahoma in the last three weeks? I don't have any. I mean, getting crushed by 30 at Baylor kind of set this team into a tailspin. I mean, they lost a bad West Virginia team. I guess the Iowa State game is not too bad, but keep in mind that was the uh, the controversial game where Oklahoma hit a three at the buzzer that shouldn't have counted, that, that got them to cover there. Otherwise, they don't even cover that game. Uh, offensively, they've been struggling, Oklahoma. I, I just haven't seen it. And you're right. If they don't win this Texas game, they're not going to beat Iowa State. They're not beating Kansas, uh, in my opinion. And they're not going to beat Kansas State. The only you know, surefire win would be West Virginia at that point. Uh, when you're closing the season one and four, uh, I, to me, you're already struggling. And that would make them, what, two and nine? Their last 11 yeah. games? O- they don't have... You know tr- Oklahoma's, uh, Oklahoma's best quality win, their best Ken Palm win, is Florida. Yeah, in November. That's the best. That's the best win they've got. I, I mean, it, you know, the, these wins over TCU are they, they've got. They won the home and home against TCU. That's the only other even r- really remote tournament teams that they've beat. Uh, I, I mean, they well, I guess Dayton is is maybe a maybe tournament team, and and Wofford by by uh, an a auto bid. But I mean, the, you're talking about a team that just hasn't beat anybody good. When you're talk, when you say, "Well, oh, who are your quality wins?" I can't imagine looking at Oklahoma's resume and going, yeah, these guys deserve to be in. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I don't look at them as a tournament team. I expect them to lose this game and and essentially lock themselves out of it. Yeah, and keep in mind, Oklahoma really struggled at the end of last year, but they had Trey Young. And I I don't care what the NCAA tournament committee, what they spew out of it, what comes out of their mouth. It's about a little bit about matchups. That's why you get certain teams playing one another, whether it be a first-round matchup or a second-round matchup, Uh, and and then getting star players like a Trey Young into the tournament. Oklahoma, to me, shouldn't have been in the tournament last year. I don't think Oklahoma gets the benefit of the doubt this year, especially without having you know a Buddy Heald or a Trey Young type of player for the Sooners. 
just recapping that one, uh, again, lean for Texas from both AJ and myself. I'm Brad Powers. He's AJ Hoffman, Sleepy J in the house. This is a college basketball dream preview, edition number six already on this college basketball. You can follow AJ on Twitter at AJ is the real, Brad at Brad Powers seven, and Sleepy J underscore pregame. Another ranked on ranked matchup here on Saturday, moving along. Number five, Tennessee at number 13, LSU. And finally here, we got a double like from the boys. I'll let AJ uh, hit it off here. Who's your like on? Yeah, this one was tough for me. I, I was scared to like it because they burned me last night uh, with against Florida. But I, I like LSU in this matchup. I just think Kentucky and LSU, watching those two teams play and watching how evenly matched they are, those two teams have so much in common. The way they crash the offensive glass, the way they're just physical and they're bullies. And then I watched Kentucky play Tennessee, and that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like Tennessee was not a tough team. Like, they just got punked out and pushed around, Mm -hmm. and it really just kind of ran away from. And I don't see much different happening in this game. Tennessee's lost four of their last five against the spread. The one win that they got in that time, they covered by one point. Uh, They're 12-1 and straight up in SEC play, 7-6 and against the spread. There's five SEC teams in the top 25 of Ken Palm right now. The two teams that are playing, Tennessee and LSU, the other three, Kentucky, Auburn, Mississippi State. Tennessee's played one of the other teams in that group, that 17-point blowout loss to Kentucky. Uh, LSU, on the other hand, that same group of teams, LSU's 3-0 and straight up and against the spread against that group. They're 9-4 and against the spread in conference play. Three of the four losses are at home which is a, a little bit surprising to me. But L- LSU, like Kentucky, they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country in the top 10 there in offensive rebound percentage. And Tennessee is ranking outside the top 250 nationally in offensive boards allowed. Uh, they, LSU's played the bulk of their of their, their schedule, of the tough part of their schedule. This is the biggest game LSU's got left on the schedule. Yep. Tennessee has four of their last five games against the SEC top five that I mentioned before and a road game at Ole Miss uh, so until Tennessee proves me that they can play with, with the best teams in this conference, which they haven't yet, I just have a hard time believing that they can, especially uh, given the way that, that a similarly physical team in Kentucky just punked them out the last time we saw them. So I, I, I like LSU plus one down to a pick. Yeah, and that's pretty much my handicap as well. I mean, look, I mean, Tennessee, kudos to them. They handled the number one ranking well, but again, quality of competition just wasn't there for Tennessee that that entire month and forget that month let's go back the last two plus months you know Tennessee's only played one top 30 team since December the 9th that's why we liked Kentucky you had a best bet on Kentucky last Saturday in that one we just thought generally speaking Tennessee's overrated and when you only got one point data point it's a really bad one but it's the only team that they've really played legitimately in a two-month period I don't know how you can at least uh, like LSU here. And look, you, you say you're scared after the Florida game. I say, give me the value. An overtime, uh, you know, loss at home to Florida. That, that that's fine. Okay, LSU won a coin flip game against Kentucky a couple, uh, you know, uh, ten days ago. Now that they, they lost a coin flip game at home to Florida, I think we're buying LSU a little bit low after a couple of non covers. And LSU, you mentioned it, has played a much tougher schedule. In their last five games, they played four top thirty teams. So Tennessee. One top 30 team since December the 9th. LSU's played four in their last five games. 
I think, you know, obviously that's a little bit like uh, sharpening iron a little bit for LSU. Tennessee, not so much. Give me the Tigers plus one. Anything we're missing here, Sleepy? Uh, no, but I'll have my live betting app open for this one. I think this one's simple for me. You know, Tennessee really struggled against Kentucky's P.J. Washington. He's listed as 6'8". Now, LSU has a big man, Big B. Williams. He's 6'11". Now, obviously, Big B. Williams is not going to be as talented as Washington, but he is 6'11". He plays heavy minutes, so Tennessee, they're going to have to deal with him. If LSU can basically copy what Kentucky did and LSU, Big B. Williams is beating Tennessee down, though, I'll make a live wager on LSU. Yeah, I, I, I'll i tell you, that was a glaring weakness. Tennessee had no answer. I'm glad you brought that up, Sleepy, for P.J. Washington for Kentucky. I mean, they switched them up. They had the Admiral on them, I think, early, and then they put, uh, what, Grant Williams on them in the second half. And it wasn't anything great that P.J. Washington was doing, just a little, what, baby sky hook time after time, again, down low. I'll be anxious to see Tennessee matchup-wise in the NCAA tournament. There's a guy down low. Maybe not as talented as a P.J. Washington, but a similar skill set. God, that was a bad look for Tennessee last Saturday for them. I mean, mm. Well, and you, and you mentioned, Sleepy mentioned having a, a live app open, and it, this has been sort of the, the thing that's, that's made you crazy about LSU the mm. last few games. They start so slow. And it, just like the, the Tennessee-Kentucky game, remember that game was a like a six-point game at halftime? And, I mean, it might have been six, seven minutes into the second half, and it was a 24-point game. So if Tennessee is going to fade against a more physical team in the second half, LSU is absolutely the kind of team to come back and, and do something against them. So if that game – if LSU's down or, or you know, it's a, it's a short number in the second half, I, I think LSU – We'll, we'll have a much better second half than Tennessee. And we've seen, and that's a very strong point. I'm glad you brought that up. LSU's, what, four times in their last eight games has rallied from a double-digit deficit. So yep. very strong point on you guys, maybe waiting until live wagering, hoping LSU starts off a little slow in the game and then jumping on the Tigers. Again, double like from both AJ and myself. Projected line, Tennessee, LSU. We're taking the Tigers, the home underdog, LSU, plus one, double like, from AJ and myself. Moving along to Auburn at number four, Kentucky. I'll call the projected line seven, although we got an injury here for Kentucky. Reed Travis, uh, the grad transfer from Stanford. He's going to be out. He averages about 11 points per game and nearly seven rebounds per game for the Wildcats. So I, I think he's worth at least a point, maybe point and a half here for Kentucky. Uh, they're a little deeper than, than, let's say, a team like Duke. Before we get into AJ or myself, we got sound on this from Dave Essler. Saturday in Lexington, Kentucky against Auburn. Projected line for me is Wildcats by seven. And as much as laying points isn't my thing, I think it's more than warranted here, especially with Duke losing to North Carolina and Kentucky already beating the other projected number one seed, Tennessee, by 17. I think the Cats smell a potential top seed. I think their flat spot was Tuesday at Missouri. They've got Arkansas at home this coming Tuesday. No look ahead there. They already beat Auburn by two in Auburn, but that game wasn't nearly as close as the score suggests. They had a 17-point lead three minutes into the second half. On paper, Kentucky has a huge length advantage, Excuse me, and they score over 75% of their points inside the arc. On the other hand, Auburn scores 45% of their points from behind the arc in SEC play. And as fate would have it, the Wildcats have the 
number one perimeter defense in the SEC. Kentucky's a better free-throw shooting team. Kentucky has that huge edge on the glass with the aforementioned length advantage. And in the end, I look at this as Bruce Pearl and the castoffs versus John Calipari and the five stars. I think Kentucky gets it done rather easily. Again, that's uh, Dave Esler there. Uh, strong thoughts on Kentucky. I mean, get some agreement as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm also leaning with uh, Kentucky here. Seven, I think, is a fair number. Again, it'll be interesting to see how the market uh, treats the Reed Travis injury for the Wildcats. Uh, again, I thought it was a strong handicap as far as Kentucky smelling blood for a possible one seed. That site I mentioned earlier, BracketMatrix.com, has Kentucky as the highest-ranked two seed right now. So I think there's opportunity for Kentucky to maybe pass a Tennessee, especially if they get a season sweep against the Volunteers. I mean, what would our thoughts be on Kentucky if LSU didn't have that tapping at the buzzer and say Kentucky wins the game in overtime? That'd be 13 straight wins for this Kentucky team. And I think we'd maybe be thinking of, of them more highly than what they've been. Auburn, tough trusting them. Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, they're very capable of being a dangerous dog here. But the consistency, they've been consistently inconsistent. Five and five their last ten games. And, again, Dave mentioned a little bit of this. Offensive rebounding percentage, major advantage for Kentucky on the boards, number five in the country. Auburn, number 315 as far as defensive rebounding percentage. Yeah, I'm going to lean Kentucky here, but I don't like it because, again, Reed Travis, he's not going to move the meter too much. But, again, anytime you lose and it's your first game without a guy that averages you know, 11 points per game, seven rebounds per game, I'm a little cautious. What say you, A.J.? Yeah, Kentucky. They uh, they've won twelve of their last thirteen, covered nine of the last eleven, and they if if you look at their full season ATS, you're like, uh, okay, but you have to account for they they were expensive early, and they got off to a one and five against the spread start, playing against scrubby teams. At, well, after the blowout against Duke, but it, they they've been really profitable since that one and five start, and Auburn. This is so crazy to me. They've been an easy team to read in conference. If you think Auburn's going to win, they cover. Every game that they've won in conference, they've covered. Every game that they've lost in conference, they failed to cover. So they're 7-5 and five against the spread, 7-5 and five straight up, and every game has, has gone along with the uh, the spread. So that, that doesn't happen very often. And Auburn's been a typical middling SEC team. They're beating up on the bottom half of the conference and they're not beating the top half, although they've been relatively competitive against the top half. The the matchup angle, sort of similar to the Tennessee-Kentucky game last weekend. Auburn's a, a good shooting team, doesn't really have the physicality needed to win this game, and Auburn shoots about 8% worse from three-point range on the, way, on, on the road than they do at home, and Rupp is obviously tougher than your average road game. Auburn's been in, a, in an underdog role twice this season, going 0-2 against Duke and LSU, I think Auburn could keep it close if they shoot the lights out, which is always possible with this team. But I just expect Kentucky to, to limit that offense and get some separation, get, use, get the extra possessions and get some separation in this game. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned early as far as uh, Kentucky, the blowout loss to Duke in the opener. They've only lost three games since then by combined, combined five points. <laughs> I mean, losing three coin flips. I know they won a game or two close, but... I think in games decided by four points or less here, uh, Kentucky's one and three. So, I mean, this easily could be maybe a two-loss type of team, and we'd be thinking, you know, Kentucky right up there with the Gonzagas 
and uh, also the Virginias of the world. Sleepy, do you have anything on this one? Yeah, I like the total. I actually like the over. I made a projected line here, 142. I would play this over all the way up to maybe like 144 here. I think the story for me is going to be the three-point line. That's probably going to be key. Auburn, they should shoot so many threes during the course of a game. They rank number six in three-point attempts, 55 in three-point percentage. Those are some very good numbers. Kentucky's defense, very good, but they do have a flaw, and it's their three-point defense. That's the one area that Kentucky really struggles it's their worst defensive ranking out of all of their defensive rankings. It ranks 225th in the nation in that area. On the flip side, Kentucky, they seem like they're shooting more threes in Auburn's three-point defense, almost as bad as Kentucky's. They rank 194th, which would be, you know, slightly below average. I like the fact, you know, that not only does Auburn shoot a lot of threes, but they like to run pace. I don't think Kentucky will have much problem, obviously, with Reed Travis off the floor, running some pace here at home. I think both teams really light it up from beyond the arc. I will play the over. I like the over if it comes out at 142 uh, up to 144. That's a like on the over for Sleepy J. Both AJ and myself lean Kentucky. Dave Essler loving Kentucky. Again, by price, uh, minus seven is the projected line. Uh, any closing thoughts, AJ? No, that's all I got on this one. But I, 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 that's a, I was hoping you for six and a half, and you, when the first number you sent me was six and a half, and I was like, you know what, I'll probably like it. It's seven. It's getting to where... It's more of a lean for me. It's it's probably pizza bet money for me on the Kentucky game. Yeah, and the, the little behind pull behind the curtain here. You know, this usually I'm about ninety percent sure that, that that my projected line will at least come within a half point or a point. This one again, and it's the reason why I can't like Kentucky is it'll be interesting the to injury. see how Reed Travis. I mean, if the market thinks he's worth a couple of points, then seven's going to be too high. And I wouldn't mind, actually. I, I hope the market thinks a lot of Reed Travis because I'll tell you what, Kentucky's starting to develop a little bit of a bench. And, again, he's more of a you know six eight forward type. And guys like P.J. Washington have totally proven themselves down low that, that you know they can play just as well, possibly without a Reed Travis. So, uh, again, seven is a projected line. But of the lines we've been talking here, that's probably my least confident. Uh, there'll be another one at the end of the podcast, and I'll talk about that one specifically. Uh, move along. Any objections to moving along? Let's hit Let's it. Do no, it. Yeah, another ranked on rank matchup here again. A good Saturday card. Number sixteen, Florida State, at number eight, North Carolina, fresh off that big win over Duke. I don't know if I told you guys this, but AJ and myself best bet North Carolina outright winner over Duke. <laughs> Didn't know if you guys knew that. I heard that. Uh, this one, you know, projected line for me is eight and a half. Be interesting to see how the market treats North Carolina. I, I originally thought eight. But I'm thinking North Carolina's. I saw them get upgraded in the futures market. It'll be interesting to see how much upgraded they get after that big win over Duke. So I increased another half point on this one. And finally, some disagreement here uh, between AJ and myself. But I'm going to let Sleepy J lead this one off. You have a best bet on this game. Your best bet, Sleepy. It is my best bet here. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Florida State. I'm not sure that we have a real true read right now on North Carolina after that Duke game. I think this line might be a little bit inflated. Florida State hot right now. Yes, they are on the road. Tough game for them, obviously, going into North Carolina. But FSU has been very, very solid on the road, and they're winning by margin. That tells me that Florida State is probably playing their best basketball of the year right now. Last couple games here for FSU on the road beat Miami by 22 beat Syracuse by 18, Georgia Tech by 22, and then most recently they just beat Clemson by 13. I think it's tough to lay this amount of points, and if UNC coming off of the Duke game, 
could they be a little, you know, fat and happy? I think that's very possible. FSU team right now, surgeon, they're playing phenomenal. I really like Florida State. I think they're waiting in the weeds right now. Uh, this is a team that's going to be scary come tournament time. I really, really like Florida State here plus the points. It is my best bet. Best bet from Sleepy, Florida State plus eight and a half. What say you, A.J. Hoffman? Yeah, he'll get some agreement from me. These two teams are, are both playing their best ball right now. Carolina's won nine of their last ten, seven and three straight, or uh, seven and three against the spread, and that only loss in that in that uh, that time was to Virginia, which there's obviously no shame in that. Florida State riding an eight game straight up winning streak, seven and one against the spread in that time. So I guess the question is, do you believe that Florida State is in the top tier of the ACC? I, I, like I know Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia are the upper crust. I tend to think Florida State's the next tier down, but if they can get a win here, they get the upper hand on that battle for the the four seed in the ACC tournament, which is extremely Huge. important because that means you get a double bye. Yep. So Syracuse, uh, they're currently tied with Syracuse, a half game up on Virginia Tech and Louisville. They're jumbled for that four seed, which is super important. Florida State's two and three against the top 25 Ken Palm teams. The two wins, though, Purdue early in the season when Purdue was playing like garbage mm-hmm. and Louisville right now playing like garbage. It, it doesn't take away anything. It doesn't make the wins less valuable, but it does make me a little hesitant to believe in the, in the quality of those wins. This, this number does scare me a little. Florida State hasn't won at North Carolina since 2010. Uh, but Florida State does have a big bench advantage and in a in a high tempo game, which both both these teams want to play at a high tempo. I, I think having a big having a, a bench advantage is good for the Knolls. Uh, Nasir Little, I mentioned earlier, played very little against Duke. He's still a question mark. Sterling Manley still out with a knee. That's and this this is the one thing that's scary. The the only reason I'm not going to be like on Florida State. This is their third straight road game. So three state three straight travels for Florida State. That's going to be enough for me to not like them, but I do lean Florida State plus eight and a half. Yeah, you know what? I went back and forth on this game. I think you guys switched me to a pass. And so, you know, I'm I'm the show host. I can pass okay. on this one. I originally wrote this up. I'm like, hey, I'm going to lean clearly on Florida State. And then I started diving in, you know, matchup-wise. What Florida State, typically a bad matchup for a team because of their height advantage. Uh, they're one of the tallest teams as far as your starting five goes in the entire country. I think they're number 13th in the country. They don't have that same uh, advantage when they're playing North Carolina. North Carolina is also in the top 20 when it uh, comes to average height. And North Carolina, at least series-wise, has kind of had Florida State's number. Uh, they've won and covered seven of the eight uh, in the last four years here, seven of the eight meetings. But you guys are right. Um, the North Carolina fat and happy, like Sleepy said, uh, off the Duke game worries me to a certain extent. Although I'll say this, North Carolina one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country, only two out of 20 against Duke. And usually, you know, there's going to be some regression towards the mean there in North Carolina due to have a better three-point shooting performance. Florida State, not a good three-point shooting team, number 205 in the country. Uh, I'll let you guys swing sway me from going from a lean on North Carolina to a pass. But again, recapping at Sleepy J with a best bet. Any closing thoughts, AJ? Nope, that's all I got. All right. Going to sound like a broken record, guys, but another ranked-on-ranked matchup on Saturday. Again, a really solid college basketball card if you're looking for the top teams. Doesn't necessarily mean that these games have the most value. Again, uh, just teasing ahead here, I got my best bet coming up. Not going to be one of the bigger games of the week. And even on Sunday, A.J. Hoffman's going to have a game 
that, that wasn't originally part of our top games of the weekend. So just because uh, you got ranked on ranked games doesn't necessarily mean there's greatest value. But this one, big one in the Big 12. Number 12, Kansas at number 14, Texas Tech. I'll project the line of Texas Tech favored by five and a half. Before I get into anybody's opinions here, and AJ's got the strongest pick here, let's talk Kansas. 14 straight Big 12 regular season titles for the Jayhawks. It means a hell of a lot to the program. I think last year when they they, they clinched it on senior day, and I think Bill Self was you know crying uh, for, for the Jayhawks. That's how much it means to this program. There is a prop bet. Uh, available at Caesars. Kudos to Caesars and the guys there really becoming one of my favorite books in town. Here's the, uh, the, the, the prop bet that's available. Will Kansas win or share the Big 12 regular season title? Right now, the no is minus 185. Yes, plus 165. As far as the standings, both Texas Tech, who's Kansas's opponent here, and the Jayhawks, one game behind Kansas State, uh, be interesting to see. I'm hoping here's another pull behind the curtain. I'm hoping Caesars leaves that one up there, forgets to take that one off the board on Saturday. They, they're going to be moving and shaking with 150 college basketball games. And I'm hoping they accidentally leave that one on and Texas tech wins because uh, I think Kansas's chances of winning the big 12 would uh, drop drastically, obviously with a loss here. Keep in mind, Kansas has Kansas State on deck. So certainly the next two games for Kansas will probably ultimately decide on whether or not Kansas can win 15 straight Big 12 regular season titles. I teased it. AJ's got the strongest pick on the game. Who do you like here? Yeah, I like Texas Tech minus five and a half up to six. The loser is all but eliminated from the Big 12 title conversation. Uh, and Kansas, they're, the biggest problem is they've just been bad away from fog. Yep. Two and six straight up and against the spread. Tech fourteen and one at home, but only six, eight and one against the spread in Lubbock. So they're normally expensive. And maybe they are expensive here, but I just think Kansas is such a bad road team that I, I think I'm willing to pay that premium uh, that premium. And Tech hasn't played since last Saturday, so they've got a week off too. We mentioned Texas. And a a, a long rest, who does that benefit? The def- the defense first team, Texas Tech. Because a, a defensive team, typically, what they get out of out of the long rest is they build up that energy. They, mm. They're tired, and they want to expend that energy. They expend a lot of energy playing strong defense all game. While an offensive team, they prefer to be in a rhythm. So if a week a week off can break a rhythm for an offense first team, so I really like Texas Tech getting this extra rest right here. Uh, the biggest difference for Kansas from the first game is obviously not having LeGerald Vick. Second leading scorer, he's still out with a personal issue, and Kansas just doesn't have enough bench depth to make up for what they've lost with him and Azubuke over the course of the season. Marcus Garrett, who's 28.8 minutes per game, he's like their fourth leading scorer, but he's a guy who plays a lot of minutes and plays some tough defense for them. He's questionable, so we don't know if he's going to play. So that might be two of their top four minutes uh, earners in LeGerald Vick and Marcus Garrett could be out on this game. And the losses, like I said, the road losses at Kentucky, at Iowa State, at Kansas State, those don't really throw up red flags to me. But losses at Arizona State, at Texas, at West Virginia, those are not the kind of games that that really good teams mm. are, are going to lose. And I, Texas Tech, for having such a great home, home field advantage or home court advantage, 
I just think they're going to be too much for a shorthanded Kansas team. Yeah, you get agreement from me. I, I, although I don't like it, I lean Texas Tech minus five and a half for a lot of the same reasons AJ uh, says. So, so here's why I don't like Texas Tech here. I mean, I hate to, to sound a little square, but you know, I, it's tough for me to fade Kansas in a rare underdog role in Big 12 play, especially when you look in this series. Kansas has been favored in this series 32 of the last 33 meetings. And now they're going to be catching five and a half is what my projected line is. Kansas also won 18 of the last 19 against Texas Tech. Again, this isn't the same Kansas team as what we've seen in recent past history. But I, I can tell you when I, I'm handicapping college football, uh, a lot of times you got to learn how to win before you learn how to cover. And, and when you've seen some series domination like this, sometimes a team like Kansas with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in a disrespected underdog role, I don't like fading that a lot, uh, but I do lean Texas Tech here minus the five and a half. Does that come in? Uh, let me ask you, AJ. To me, serious history probably gets more play in, in, as far as football because we got an entire week leading up to games, and you can analyze games every single which way, whether it be trends. And I get it, trends shouldn't be the end all. Power ratings, all these specific matchups. College hoops, I don't hear about it too much. Does it ever come into play as far as your handicap, as far as the series history goes? Uh, it does every once in a while, and I, I, I mean, especially as long as the coach has been there. People yeah. always say, "Oh, well, the players change every year," but I mean, sometimes these coaches are—people forget that these coaches are matching up against each other and they're drawing up plays against each other. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll take a series, uh, uh, a series history into effect up until you know you, you go to a prior regime. Yeah, and, and let's face it, Bill South's been there, but Chris Beard hasn't been there very long. Although, I mean, he's been doing a tremendous job in, in just a few short years that he's been at Texas Tech. So just throwing that out there. Uh, another line here right around five and a half. Sometimes it can come down to late game fouling in Kansas. Again, one of these teams like Duke that just is not very good from the free throw line, number 244 in the country. And, and look, these lines coming down to the end of the season are getting tighter. Every half point and point matters. And I don't. I can't tell you how many times I've had a ticket on a team, and uh, they'll go 13 out of 24 from the free throw line, and I'll have a losing ticket. <laughs> so again, Kansas can't always be trustworthy when it comes to the free throw line. Uh, one other mention here: Texas Tech best defense in the Ken Palm era. I, I think I mentioned that on your show today, uh, AJ. I, I mean, Chris Beard's got it going on. You mentioned that you can, you know, when it comes to an energy level, we should see a max energy level here out of this Texas Tech. Uh, defense total is probably going to be 132-ish, uh, I'm guessing. So we'll see a relatively low total. Any closing thoughts here? Yeah, you mentioned Kansas in an underdog role, and historically they have been really good a- as underdogs. This year, not so much. One in four yep. ATS as an underdog I this year. That. So mm. yeah, it's that I, I've been saying all year long, this isn't the same Kansas team we're used to. You know, there's a reason why this team is is looking like they're going to break the streak for for consecutive Big 12 championships. They they're they're beat up. Uh, you know, they're missing their big man now. They're missing maybe their best all around player in in Vic. It's it's just too. Some, at some point, it's just too much for one team to fade. Fair enough, and good point. I did look into that because when, whenever you get a team like a Kansas or a Duke or a North Carolina in that rare underdog role, always like to see how they do it. If there's a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, you're right. Kansas, uh, not good in that role. Again, recapping it, like Texas Tech for AJ, lean Texas Tech for me. We have one more Saturday game to get to. It's kind of wasn't on the list here, but it is my best bet. Don't know about the future. That's 
anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. All right, we're going to the American Athletic Conference here, and I'm going to take a best bet on a red-hot Wichita State team. Looks by all uh, accounts, whether it be Ken Palm, Sagarin, or my own power ratings, Wichita State should be right around a one-point favorite. I'm going to uh, call best bet up to three here and even like it up to three and a half. And I'm going to say this because Wichita State just got hammered pretty good in their most recent game against Tulsa by the wise guys. That line moved like three points. This is one, Wichita State, that I would bet early. These lines will come out overnight, and I get it. Not all of you can get to them the night before on a Friday night. But I will recommend you bet it early on Saturday morning because I do expect this line to move. So let's break down in case you've been living under a rock or you're just not following college hoops particularly Wichita State hoops. Wichita State's got that, you know, history uh, uh, being one of the better, uh, I would say, smaller schools uh, as far as the last 10 years. But this year, just a horrible uh, start to the season for the Shockers. Uh, It was an inexperienced team. They lost four starters from last year. Even they even had a guy, first time in program history, leave early for the NBA draft. Greg Marshall lost a couple assistant coaches. It was the most amount of turnover for Greg Marshall in his entire tenure uh, in Wichita. So what happened? Wichita State was just a bad bet. Three and nine against the number. Uh, Market just threw Wichita State in the trash. But what's been happening here, this inexperienced team uh, has gotten a little bit better here. Greg Marshall, in my opinion, is one of the better X and O's coaches in the country. Last six games for Wichita State and the Shockers, five and one straight up, six and zero oh against the number. Big win over Tulsa the other night. And again, Wichita State steamed in the marketplace. Wichita State's opponent, haven't mentioned them here yet, Memphis. Who coaches Memphis? Penny Hardaway. I'll make the point that Penny Hardaway kind of makes Memphis a little overrated. Ooh, I like Penny Hardaway. He's a big name. That that Memphis team's coached by Penny. Uh, Give me Memphis. Well, Memphis has been a little expensive. They're 4-9 against the number of the last 13. They're terrible on the road, only one cover in their last seven. And, you know, this is a good revenge spot for Wichita State. Lost by 11 to Memphis back when Wichita State was struggling earlier in the year. In that game, Memphis shot 50% from the floor. That's Memphis's second best performance in their last 14 games. Wichita State, still pretty good on the defensive end of the floor. They've only allowed 50% or more in five of their 25 games this year. We get value off that outlier. Memphis, a bad road team. Wichita State peaking at the right time of the season, an inexperienced team. Uh, that's getting their legs under them here as we uh, go along the season. Give me Wichita State, best bet, minus one, up to minus three, and I'll like it up to three and a half, Wichita State. Any thoughts, guys? Yeah, Memphis is just so bad on the road. Uh, They're two and six straight up and against a spread away from home, and Wichita is playing a lot better now than they were early. And Memphis is just, they're a lamb killer. Uh, Outside that Central Florida win, the best wins that Memphis has put up all year, are Yale and South Dakota State. I mean, they just they haven't beaten anybody. They, they beat they beat the hell out of Central Florida in that game. That was just such an outlier. And I, I had a, a three star premium play on pregame on UCF in the revenge game, and it just wasn't it, Memphis wasn't close. They're just not that good. They're overvalued. They overperformed in the first Wichita game. They've gotten worse as the season's gone on. I keep looking to fade, fade, fade Memphis. So you get agreement from me on Wichita. 
Yeah, and again, I can't emphasize this enough after watching because I, I was against Wichita State in their latest game. Not that I released anything, but but I had a clear lean on Tulsa. When I saw the market move that significantly against Tulsa and ended up being, I mean, couldn't have been more right. Wichita State dominated one outright by 20-plus points. I fully expect this one will move as well. Wichita State minus the one. And I, again, I think that it wouldn't shock me if the line closed three uh, and maybe even higher. Hopefully it doesn't so everyone can get down. Wichita State best bet. A.J. Hoffman's got a best bet coming up on a Sunday game. Uh, but before we get to that, we got a big game on Sunday uh, between two schools from the state of Michigan. Even Sleepy's got some stuff on this one. Michigan at Michigan State is our final game before we get to A.J. Hoffman's best bet. Number 10, Michigan State at number 7, Michigan. Michigan just got done uh, winning tonight and covering the spread against Minnesota. I'm going to call the line Michigan 3. They, they overperformed expectations tonight on Thursday night as we're taping this against Minnesota. I actually was against Michigan this game. I thought it'd be a, a kind of a look-ahead game uh, for the Wolverines, and they just came out and dominated from start to finish over the Gophers. Uh, we got a... I'm looking here. Oh, my goodness. We got finally some crossfire here. I'm going to let Sleepy go last, and both A.J. Hoffman and myself have a like on the opposite side. I'll let A.J. lead off. Who do you like in this matchup? I, I like Michigan. Uh, I like them to three, uh, if that's the number. Anything outside of that that one possession, it's probably just a lean to me. This isn't a, a super strong like for me. The, the original number we had was two, and I was I said, okay, I'll like it two up to three. So that's that's where the like ends for me. But it's a, it's a pretty simple handicap, and it's that Michigan State just doesn't have the guys that got them to where they are. And it's hard enough to, to you know, play with no Langford, and they'd actually done a pretty good job to adjusting to life without him, but now they lose Nick Ward, who is their he's their best interior offensive player by far. I mean, usually Michigan State's got a bunch of guys who can bang it down low. He's the only one. He, he's the only real interior offensive threat they've got. He, as well as being one of their top rebounders and shot blockers. Uh, he's out with a, a hand. It's going to be tough, man. And and they've got three straight big home wins and covers for Michigan. Ohio State, a big rival by 16. Wisconsin by 9. Maryland by 13. Those are good quality teams, especially those last two, Wisconsin and Maryland, that they beat up on. And a couple of bad road losses had brought Michigan back to the pack in the Big Ten standings. And uh, they they needed they they need a win here. Obviously, Michigan State I think just a half game ahead of them right now, uh, and they've been an underdog twice. Michigan State's been an underdog twice this year, failed to cover in both times. So uh, I, I like Michigan minus the three. And you get agreement from me, Michigan minus the three. You just got done mentioning Michigan State not performing uh, well in the underdog role. It goes back to that. That's the first thing I, I looked at. I was like, oh, Michigan State's going to be a dog. This is a Michigan State team that's not used to being in the underdog role too often. How about this? I was actually shocked. I thought Michigan State, again, with a chip on their shoulder and a rare underdog role, would be good. Not a good bet, actually. Underdog role for Michigan State, 2-11 and straight up, 3-10 and against the number in that dog role. Michigan at home, uh, A.J. was mentioning, just a, a really good home team. 22 straight wins. And when they're laying a reasonable number, and they'll be laying a reasonable number here, Laying seven or less at home. Michigan's one in cover, 10 in a row at home. Mentioned the injury. Uh, Nick Ward, uh, you know, it's, they've only played one game without him. And, you know, the, the Rutgers game, especially at halftime, was not a good look. Uh, Michigan State without Nick Ward. Uh, again, a team that's already shorthanded without uh, Langford. Nick Ward, if you don't know who he is, 
averages, again, 15 points per game, nearly seven rebounds per game for the Spartans. And I get it. Michigan State, uh, you know, maybe the, the, you're going to read the, some handicappers out there on this game that, you know, it's a revenge game for Michigan State. Uh, you don't see this often, but Michigan State, Michigan's owned Michigan State the last couple of years. I mean, they've won and covered three in a row uh, over the Spartans, and you just don't see that too often in Big Ten play in the Tom Izzo era. So I think it's a short number. I think Michigan at home is going to be has circled this game. It's a chance for the Wolverines to you know get clearly on the two line as far as the bracket and start making a case if they can win out uh, for a number one seed. I like Michigan here, but sleepy. AJ and myself like Michigan. You're on the other side. Tell me, tell me why I'm crazy. Which team is seeded or, or actually ranked higher, Michigan State or Michigan? Michigan State. This line's three. So. Seated, seated. Yeah, seated yeah. higher. Michigan State right now would probably be a higher seed than Michigan. And Michigan State's ranked ten. Michigan State's ranked tenth. Michigan seventh. And this line is indicating which team is the better team. Uh, I would say Michigan State slightly better. I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to like Michigan State being that, you know, Vegas thinks that they are the better team. So I just find this odd that you're going to get a 10th ranked team. They're getting three. It's telling us that they're the better team. To me, it just looks like a trap game. It, the line looks fishy to me. When you sent me three, I was like, man, I was thinking like six. So really? Maybe I'm short here. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Look, I can't be the end all. Am I short here with the line of three, AJ? I thought maybe with the injury that maybe your your line was a little bit short at two. And then when you made it three, I was like, well, I mean, how much more? Your lines have been pretty damn good. So to me, it's like uh, to go to go from two points up to three. I don't know how many points Nick Ward can be worth exactly. I mean, he's he's an important player to them. But six just sounds like that, that would yeah, be I'd really shocking to me. Yeah, I'd have Michigan State at six. But I mean, I maybe I I'm off. Too. and. You know, I'll let you finish here, Sleepy. And this is, look, I mean. We thought this is, a soft, this is a soft line. This is a tough line. I mean, first of all, Michigan played tonight. Yep. And this is going to be the first game we see lined on Michigan State without Nick Ward. So I, I, I think that this line, you got to give us a little bit of a leeway here. That's why I said, I, like, outside of three, if it's higher than three, it's probably just a lean for me. And if it got all the way to six, it'd probably be a lean the other way. So I, I, I think this is a, 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 a game that, I don't want to be really committed to because there's so much up in the air on this and it's it's on Sunday. I mean a lot can happen between now and then. So it, again, don't don't take this line like it's concrete because it's just not. Yeah, and, and that's a good point because I mean some guys are looking for, you know, extra analysis and that and so, you know, I guess one of the complaints I've seen at least on Twitter is we've been, you know, maybe a little bit general. I mean, guys, I, I don't see podcasts out there projecting college basketball lines multiple days in advance. They're just not out there in the marketplace. It's very tough to do so uh, three, four days in advance, especially when, when games are going on and whatnot. So it's a little bit of a struggle to do a college basketball podcast as far as projecting the lines go and uh, give us a little leeway some from time to time. We'll tell you if it's a little bit of a soft line. I think that's the case here. Sleepy, uh, I interrupted you. Uh, finish up your handicap. I think their offense is just much better than Michigan's. Michigan's offense hasn't been playing all that well. You're right there. Question for you guys with Michigan. Do you think because they play at such a slow pace that their defensive rankings are somewhat skewed? No, I mean, no, because T Texas Tech plays at a slow play, slow pace. Virginia plays at a slow pace. Yeah. I think that's just part of their game. I, I think that's m most teams that are excellent defensively 
play at a slower pace because it's really hard to to give max intensity on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and just to show you, Sleepy, as far as pace uh, and, and some of the top defenses, Virginia, the number three defense, their tempo dead last in the country, number 353. Uh, we just talked Texas Tech really good defensively. They've actually got a little bit more tempo, number 226. Michigan's number 302 in tempo. They're one of the top defenses. You know, Wisconsin, uh, number six rated defense. They're number 341 in tempo. I just think, generally speaking, a lot of the top defenses, like AJ just said, just uh, that's their style of play. They just play at a slower tempo. I think Michigan State, though, is the more dominant offensive team, and I don't think it's really all that close. You know, I, I would agree with you, but yeah. I don't know what they are without Nick Ward. I mean, that's a 15-point-per-game type of guy, and they're already without Langford. Now, they've been playing without Langford for a while, but again, that's another guy out of that lineup, and it's not like Michigan State has, you know, they're playing 10 guys consistently. So, I look, that offense looked like shit against uh, Rutgers in the first half. They, they turned it yeah. on in the second half. They had to, but... I I agree with you. I think it's a top 10 offense when everyone's healthy. Right now, I, I'm questioning that. The more I think about it, it's not that I don't like Michigan State. I still like Michigan State. How do you come up with a number for, for a guy like Reed Travis is out for Kentucky? It's tough. It's tough. And we got to do it again here. Yeah. You mentioned that Michigan State offense, and when you when you look at the guys that have put up points for them, uh, I mean, Cassius Winston, the, he's the man. He, he's 19 points per game. Their next two leading scorers, Nick Ward, 15.1, out. Josh Langford, 15, out. Next, Matt McQuaid, 8.8 points per game. So you've got one guy averaging better than nine points per game on the floor. I wouldn't – if you're you're betting on Michigan State because they've got a dominant offense, I'd think twice about it, especially going against this defense that's pretty damn good. Yeah, and again, Michigan State, not, and that was one of my factors here. I think it's just a bad matchup for Michigan State, shorthanded against a team that's going to bring a hell of a lot of intensity uh, in the Wolverines. That's the game Michigan's going to circle because it's an opportunity for Michigan to take control of the Big Ten race here. They smell blood in the water with Michigan State uh, less than 100%. Look, if Michigan State, forget Lankford, if they had Ward right now, I would like Michigan State a lot. I mean, they had that little slip up where they lost three straight games. Other than that, they've been... Uh, typical Michigan State under Tom Izzo. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the line is, guys. And again, give us a little leeway here with injuries. Uh, a lot of times it can be some soft lines here projecting multiple days in advance. Again, that's a like on both Michigan uh, from both me and AJ and a like on Sleepy on Michigan State. But he, we were kind of swaying him the other direction there. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the main guys on here, Mr. AJ Hoffman, you can follow him on Twitter at AJ is the real. He hasn't given his best bet yet. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Go, AJ, go. All right, I'm going to take Villanova minus four, the projected line at Xavier on Sunday. I'll give that up to six as a best bet. Xavier, they've won three straight. They, they they were on a six-game losing streak, and then they broke it. They, they beat me. They beat me on a best bet against Creighton. If you remember, it was a, I think it was a fool's gold win. I think Creighton was a much better team at a pick em, but Creighton blew that game. They gave it away. Nova, off back-to-back losses, a neutral court loss to St. John's and a road loss at Georgetown. They'd been 6-0 and against the spread on the road prior to that. Xavier 0-6 straight up and 0-6 against the spread against the top 50 teams in Ken Palm. 
Xavier's outside the top 300 in turnover margin, and you know the deal with Jay Wright. If you're sloppy with the ball, he's going to punish you. Xavier somehow only turned it over seven times in the first game against Villanova, and they still lost by double digits. I expect them to turn it over into the into 10-12 range this time. I think it could get ugly. I think we're getting Nova at the cheapest we're going to be able to get them, and I think we might be getting Xavier at their priciest, priciest. So for me, best bet, Nova, minus four up to six points. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I mean, again, it's a third straight road game for Villanova, but now a must win for them. I think it's a classic buy low, sell high. I think we're buying low with, with Villanova off those back-to-back losses. And keep in mind, the St. John's game, they blew a 19-point lead. I kind of yep. thought Villanova, the bounce-back game would be the Georgetown game. Didn't happen for them. I, I'll trust more of what I've seen, a larger sample size from the Wildcats. I mean, prior to this four-game stretch here and the Marquette losing by one on the road, nothing to sneeze at the, there. I mean, that, that doesn't raise a red flag at all for me. Uh, you're right. Uh, and Xavier playing their best ball of the year, but I think some of it's a little fool's gold. Selling high uh, on uh, Xavier and buying low on Villanova. I'm all with you, buddy. Minus four, I think, is a pretty good number. Sleepy, you're shaking your head. What's going on? I cannot stand Villanova anymore. 0 and 2 for me the last two plays. So I hope AJ wins. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm so upset with that team right now. But you know what? Since I'm not going to go ahead and, and and fade them or or bet them, you know, AJ's probably going to win this one. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. That's a good point you bring up there, Sleepy. I mean, sometimes you know, it's tough going to the well that third time. Yeah. And I I liked Villanova actually in both of their last two games. I thought there was relatively cheap numbers. I know we're going to get a cheap number here. Mhm. I th- man, a sneaky good play. AJ, I didn't send, I sent, you know, the top eight, nine games. I thought I was pulling one on AJ. I'm trying to keep uh, ahead here of the best bet record. I'm four and one. AJ's three and two. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm I want us to both win our best bets. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to get a sneaky play uh, and try to keep my lead over AJ. And then what does AJ do? Like any good handicapper, he goes off the board and gets a value pick. So Villanova minus four for AJ. Best bet for me for the upcoming weekend, Wichita State. And again, I like Wichita State up to three. Uh, AJ likes Villanova up to six. Best bet for Sleepy was Florida State plus eight and a half over North Carolina. He got agreement from AJ Hoffman there. Guys, a longer podcast here because of the Zion talk at the start. Uh, any closing thoughts? No, man, I'm good. We, we, we've talked enough as far as I'm concerned. Let's go win. Yeah, uh, you, you get home uh, to the kids and the dog and everything. Yeah, it's a long, long night for you. All right, best of luck to the guys. And again, that'll do it for the College Basketball Dream Preview Edition number six. We'll be back with you guys first thing Monday morning. Take care and have a great weekend.